What you want? We've got a mighty hard to listen, but it makes your rage glisten. Our voice is about the games, and you know we talk about the latest goings, more so than any other, and our mountain west matters. Well, will you? You listen to this podcast too. And you, you rant about this podcast too. Just a side where German analyze some matches and kiss between the bridges. We do some good interviews. And you know from Fresno all the way to Boise, from Logan down to Aston, they're calling out our name. Where will you? You listen to this podcast too. All right, folks, we're back for another edition talking Mountain West football. Jeremy Moss here with uh, Matt Kennerly. We sort of now, no, not sort of, we officially have a new name for this thing, correct? We do. If you've noticed on uh, social media of us pounding away on the Twitter keys and keyboard, <laughs> we have now moved our show name, Mountain West Wire. So find us there on Facebook MWC wire cuz we only have 56 likes that's not a lot right at the moment we want more than that we have the same thing on Twitter and everywhere else find our work that's where we'll be at but in the meantime our podcast if you're looking for it if you stumble across us the first time or like hey this name looks different if you have our iTunes feed um and blog talk radio we're still over there the Stitcher feed if you go that route it's still the same show. It's just called Mountain West Wire. So if you're confused, it's still us cracking jokes and not liking your teams. New venture, same old, uh, same old nonsense. But we got Smarty Pants writing about Fresno State in addition to yourself. So that's always good too, right? Yes, it is. Have our uh, good buddy Josh Webb who wrote a. If you haven't read this, um, we're doing super duper early previews. He did Alabama Fresno State, and it's not all gloom and doom. So go check that out as well. Because he writes far more than we probably should write on that game, but it's good stuff to get into because it's the middle of July and we want college football content and we're here to provide that for you. At least well, that's not, only, not only that, with the new venture, if you haven't taken a look yet at our Patreon page, which is just basically patreon.com slash mwcwire, you're, you're missing good stuff for you New Mexico fans out there, for you Hawaii fans out there, San Jose State fans. We've got early previews and positional previews for those teams and a lot more. So definitely check that out too. And and if you like NBA Summer League as well. Yes. Got, I know this is our football show, but we've got to give Eli some credit there for writing some basketball stuff. And also, if you haven't checked that out, um, yes, we're sort of begging for money. Is that the right way to put this, Matt? We are we are requesting repeatedly. <laughs> yes. So please don't mute us or block us on Twitter. But the plan is, 
we'll be up over at collegefootballnews.com. Eventually, uh, maybe by the time you hear this, I don't know, mwcwire.com. Just follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You'll or myself, Jeremy Moster, Matt K underscore FS. You'll find out there as well. Maybe before you listen to our next show, but all of our stuff will be there. Always be free over there. We're putting the content on Patreon right now because where else are we going to put it, right? Yep. We're not going the Bruce Feldman route and going just on Facebook, and so we're going this way instead. But we're putting everything there is free on the website. If you want to give us a buck a month, forego that giant coffee, like or for heaven forbid, for forego the guacamole money and give it to us for one month, just one time. You don't you don't need a venti every single time. You just get a grande one time, and that one dollar makes a huge difference for us in the long run. It will. We got a bunch of guys, and it's just a way to say, hey, thanks, we're doing good work. At least that's the plan to help us out. If you do a dollar, cool, great, everything's still free. It's not going to be like on the message board stuff or rivals or scout where it's like 10 bucks a month if you're into recruiting that's great but that's not what we're doing if you give us a buck great if you give us ten dollars awesome we don't need one person to give us ten thousand dollars or whatever for a whole year give a buck a month if you give us three or five dollars per month then you'll get a few extra bonus content but 97 percent of our stuff will be free so even if you listen to podcasts great if you go to our website and look at stuff great that helps us out as well there's just another way to and you can do some cool stuff I know people want to be part of your new uh, power poll, Matt, right? Before yes, our weekly rankings or whatever we were doing this year. Mm-hmm. And if you are not paying attention right now, the top 50 is ongoing and for the moment is exclusive to those who contribute $3. That's it. You don't need to um, get that extra taco, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you can also contribute $3 to us. <laughs> I'm not, gonna hold no, I'm not going to hold it against anybody if they want to get as many tacos as they want. I saw you're going to go for those. How are those red, white, and blue tacos? Or is that an upcoming venture? That is, well, when we record tomorrow on the 4th of July. Yes, happy 4th of July as well. So we got to get an update on how those taste. And yeah, that's all we're doing. So there'll be some cool stuff. We might do, there's a survey, survey out there for our podcast. If you want to, like an ad-free version, maybe that's a perk or something you can get or just some other articles that would just be there. But again, most of it, almost 98% will be free. So let's get to Utah State. We're done babbling and groveling. So if you like to that. do that, one last time, it's just patreon.com backslash MWCWire. So but Utah State Aggies, uh, there's um, – last year was a sore spot for the Aggies because they were, what, a couple games from being bowl eligible. They were upset about the Air Force uh, PI, non-PI call. And injuries really hurt them last year, so I give the whatever emoji to predict this year. That's what I'm going to start with for the Aggies. What is your initial thought for them coming into the season? Well, I mean, I know I've said this before in you know a couple times during the off season. I feel like last year they may have been the the unluckiest team in the conference because you know as you alluded to, they went zero and four in games that were decided by a touchdown or less. And you figure just by natural regression, they're probably going to be closer to 500 in those games. The question becomes, which we'll get to and when we start talking about, you know, the different positions is, you know, do they have enough coming back to be able to take that next step back toward bowl eligibility? Well, what we do know for another year in a row, massive overhaul for the staff outside of Matt Wells, who I would say if we had a hot seat ranking, he would, well, when half the league has new coaches, or nearly half the league this year, mostly in the West Division, has a new coach, they're safe. But I would say Matt Wells is probably uh, 
12 out of 12 or 1 out of 1, whatever the highest rating you would say, to potentially not be back next year due to a poor performance. So with that, he went out. And I think that, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of unfair just because of the fact that they were so unlucky last year. But on the other hand, I think I can understand the urgency to kind of win now, especially you know, with some of the key pieces coming back being, you know, juniors and seniors, especially at the quarterback position with a guy like Kent Myers. Yeah, but part of it is with you have Gary Anderson and what he built, nearly going to the Orange Bowl, had to beat Wisconsin a couple years ago. They've kind of fallen a bit because Matt Wells is only 28 and 25 overall. Two straight losing seasons despite going to three or four bowl games. Yeah, 3-9 is a pretty big dip. It's not as bad as it used to be, but there's a lot of people who weren't happy that the AD and everybody were standing behind him last year to continue being the head coach. One bad year is fine, but two? But again, saying he's possibly the most likely to be gone is not a... Well, it is a slide against him, but like I said, half the league is at least one or new coach or second-year coach. Like in Hawaii, you got Nick Rolovich out there. You got new coaches on the West Division. The Air Force is fine. Brian Harston is be fine. Bob Davey. That's just... Uh, it's not, it's not, well, I'm not trying to be mean or rude, but it's a most likely scenario because if he goes like 2 and 12 or 2 and 10 or whatever. However, the unlucky factor is cracked. Like he said, those multiple games losing by just a touchdown or less. And they bring in the new OC. Is it, um, it's a David Yost who he's going to be giving these guys a track lesson out there because they want to go fast, fast, fast every time during spring football. They, Wanted to go hurry up, no huddle, go down the field, and just pass the ball as much as possible. Go to more of like a spread-style attack or some sort of hurry-up attack as well. And he has a surfer hair as well, so that's a plus two for being a Logan. Yeah, I mean, if, if the spring game was any indication, they ran over 100 plays, if I'm not mistaken. And were fairly... I think they were fairly split between them. Like, I think... I'm looking at the box score right now, and they threw the ball 61 times between the three quarterbacks that they had, and they ran it another 50 times. So, you know, while it's hard to glean too much from a meaningless game like that, I feel like that does give you some indication of the kind of change that they're trying to implement. They want to go fast, but they're going to have to be efficient in order to do it. For sure. And for on Yost, he's a pretty good hire they got to come to Logan because he has over 20 years of experience, um, four as an OC. He was he was with Missouri forever with Chase Daniel, who's spent, is he still in the NFL or at least he's drafted at some point, some quality years with Missouri when they were in the Big 12. He's been at Oregon the past couple of years, or excuse me, last year he spent the three years prior Washington State. So he's had, and then when, like I said, Missouri, when um, Pinkle was there, they threw the ball a good amount, not necessarily as much as Washington State, but this is his thing. It's while they ran and passed evenly in the spring game. It's still the spring game. But they want to throw the ball, I'm thinking, a bit more than they have in the past. However, we'll get to the offensive players in a minute. They lose Rayshad Lewis, who for some reason up and left the team. He ended up at Maryland. Is that correct? Where um, his father lives, Ray Lewis? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not certain. I'm pretty sure it's Maryland, but he was going to be one of the better receivers in the conference. He was probably the best freshman last year and he was playing defensive back as well starting during that spring game he's up and leaves I don't know exactly why but it takes a big hit and what Yost wants to do but this offense that's uh, different from what Utah State's ran a little bit because they've typically they've been shotgun it's kind of pro style here and there shotgun when Chucky Keaton kept Myers even when they had uh, Garrettson back there throwing the ball they're still in shotgun a lot so 
I think the most the biggest difference is that they want to run more plays, but I think overall it's they may sprinkle in a receive extra receiver here and there, but I don't think it's a that big of an overhaul outside of like the name of the plays. It's still something somewhat similar to what they've been done in the past. It's just like an adjustment. Yeah, and it they have eighteen um, letter winners back on offense. So Kent Myers has been there for three years. They have the one Hunt and Tony Lindsay running the ball. Ron Quavy and Tarver outside receivers. So they have some talent, but it's just hard to go from how they're unlucky last year to this year to see, like, oh, they'll go eight wins or something. That's hard to say. Yeah, and it really, I think, has to. we have to start by talking about Myers just because of the fact that, you know, last year, you know, he was kind of a disappointment, wouldn't you say? Like his... Wait, what? Yes. His completion percentage took a step back. He fell under 60% going from 2015 to 2016. You know, his touchdown to interception ratio took a hit. He was 16 and 3 in uh, 2015 and then 10 and 8 last year. You know, his yards per attempt went down from like 8 to about 6.5, and, and his quarterback rating dropped, I think, by about 30 or 40 points. So I think if they're going to have any hope, of you know making that big jump toward bill eligibility it's going to start with him and his ability to lead the offense and you know if going back and looking at the spring game again you know he was 10 of 12 in the time that he had under center which is pretty good i think if you know if you're looking for some hope as an aggies fan that's kind of where you start because we've talked about him for a pretty long time as being among the better quarterbacks in this conference. But I think last year he got passed by like, you know, by a Josh Allen and maybe got passed by even by someone like Drew Brown. So he's going to have, you know, something to prove maybe more so than any other quarterback in the conference going into 2017. I would say that you're spot on with that. Also at the same when the running back was a, freaking mess last year with yeah. his team they lose um uh, Devonte mays who i guess sort of su- surprising not surprising he got drafted by the packers late but he got hurt he tried to come back Tony, the offensive line wasn't great either they weren't they were okay protecting him they were near the bottom or i guess near the, the better portion of sacks allowed last year mm-hmm. i was looking that up i thought they might have been a bit worse to see why his uh, passing percentage and everything overall for myers was down because they only gave up 28th. Well, no, sorry. I, I apologize. Let me rephrase that. I can't read stats here. They were one of the worst teams in sacks law. They were 28 sacks, which is ninth in conference, or tied for ninth a couple teams. So, consider the offensive line not being very good. Running back issues throughout the whole year. Lindsey had, like, what, half a game where he's anything special. Lawan Hunt, who we thought would be good, wasn't very good last year. I wouldn't say it's all in Myers' fault. Yes, he needs to play better and do what he could, but when he's getting sacked three times a game, Two and a half times a game, his he had to run more, and his running yards weren't as great as they were last year on a per per run or per average basis per game. It's I'd, I'd say it's more not to put blame at other places, but I'd say the bigger concern, offensive line, running game. If those two things can get better, that clearly will help Myers because if he has time to throw the ball, not running out of the pocket or extending plays or getting hit, it's simple math there that you'll play better. And I'm thinking with who they have coming back, that should be a little bit better. And if that's the case. That could be a couple wins right there, and maybe that's all they need to do to get back to bowl eligibility. Well, regarding Myers as a runner, one thing I think is worth pointing out is that if you remove the sack yardage, you know, he averaged over seven yards a carry whenever he had a chance to run the ball, and he had over 600 yards, which is good. 
Part of the problem, I think, is that he fumbled eight times, which is bad. Yeah. And even though he only lost two of them, I feel like that's the kind of thing where, you know, maybe he just needs to be a little more careful with the football because, you know, by expected turnover margin, they were dead last in the country last year. They were lucky in that respect to finish only minus five rather than, you know, if he had lost half of them, that's like another three or four turnovers right there. But more importantly, they're going to need Lindsay to step up and be a thousand yard rusher, I think, just because of the fact that, you know, yeah, he averaged five yards carry last year. But if you look at the kind of the game by game breakdown, like he was pretty good against Weber State and he had 100 yards against. What's Weber State? Come on, that's FCS team. Well, I was going to say, he also had 100 yards at Colorado State and at Nevada, which, you know, it's pretty good. But then on the flip side, you know, he had eight carries and 15 yards in a loss against Boise. He had, you know, 17 carries for 18 yards in a loss against Air Force. He had 12 carries for 26 yards against New Mexico. And they were competitive, I, I would say, in all three of those games to some respect. Like, they probably should have beaten Air Force and they probably should have beaten New Mexico. In Colorado but it didn't State, help. they. But it didn't help. They didn't have a running game that they could lean upon. And so, like, he's going to have to be that guy, I think, to step up. Because if they can't... So who's going to be the starter then? Who do you think that's going to be? Well, I think it's going to be Lindsay, But it's going to be really interesting to see who kind of steps into his role from last year. Because, you know, we obviously expected Mays to be the guy until he got hurt. But, you know, if Lindsay steps into the number one role, is it a guy like, you know, Lawan Hunt, who's been around for a while? Is it Justin Hervey, who's had, you know, moments here and there? Or do they go further down the depth chart and give a longer look to a guy like, you know, Deontay Simon or Morian Walker or something like that? You know, that number two guy, I think, in this particular offense could be really critical because... You know, Hervey had a had an okay spring game. He ended up getting the most of the carries in the offense. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't great. And so I think they're going to need to find someone in the fall to, you know, who can add that explosive element. Because if they can, that's going to make Myers' life a lot easier as a passer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll be Hunt. Because unless they're tired of giving him chance after chance after chance, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be the guy, but like, on offense, you're right, if the fumble, like you said, turnover expectancy or Lint or Myers fumbling eight times, because that could def- obviously disrupt your offense, because, yeah, he could gain a fumble, but if it's a five-yard loss, yeah, it just kind of screws you over when you're, because just everything is overall looking, you mentioned sack yardages and everything for him, you said he ran over seven yards per play, he's only three and a half after sack yards, mm-hmm. so it's like on, on nearly 200 yards of him getting sacked the whole year because he had 450 after sack yardage everything and I I think it is you're right the running game fit is better that's clearly a sign I know it's simple but then offensive line like you look at there they it was bad last year I don't know what the heck they're gonna do this year and they lose four starters that's true that could be <laughs> that's an issue, <laughs> but I mean I think it's worth noting that some of the options that they have coming back are you know, they've been in the system for a while, like, you know, KJ Uluabe or, you know, Cody Boyer, who, you know, if they didn't start a full season's worth of games last year, they were definitely in the offensive line rotation. So I think that helps a little bit. But then, you know, they're going to need to lock down guys at left tackle and, and center, which, of course, are the two most important 
positions on the field. And, you know, is it a guy like Roderick Smith or is it a guy like, you know, Cody Boyer who's locking down those two positions? That, I think, is to be determined and that, I think, is really crucial. One guy could be, too, the BYU trade for Quinn Fickle. Ficklin might be an option as well since he sat out last year. That's true. So maybe he had a year in there. That could be something. Because he is a, it's going by kind of the recruiting rankings. He's one of the higher offensive linemen in this class overall from every player. Yeah. So maybe he'll see some time. That could be a surprise guy. But for the amount of, the amount of sacks he gave last year, it's hard to say he'll be worse, which that amount, uh, 20, was it 28 sacks they allowed? Mm-hmm. How do you expect it to do? Was it being unlucky, playing monster defenses last year? How can they improve upon that when they, like I said, look, look at the guys they lost. We see it in front of us. They bring back, what, 15 total starts from last year and only one with double-digit starting experience in, with 11 games there with uh, Brooksby? It's hard to say. It's hard for me to say that they'll, yeah, they'll give up only 12 sacks this year. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a little too often. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, but okay, 20 sacks. They go from 28 to 20. And I think that, you know, with the fact that they want to run the offense a lot faster than they did last year, I think that that will help too in that regard because it'll force Myers to make quicker decisions one way or the other, whether it's to, you know, take off and run or just, you know, throw to the outside and let his playmakers do the work for him. Yeah, that's definitely a way too. Like when you me- I remember when watching, like we're wondering when Hawaii played Cal a couple years ago in Australia, like how they, how are they going to get to Jared Goff back there? Mm-hmm. And Hawaii actually got back to him more often than you would think, and that Sony Dex offense are running. So there's, could, people could still get after the quarterback, but I, maybe they'll get tip instead, which is still not ideal. But I'm thinking if they're throwing the ball within two to three seconds with a Myers, that's a much better chance to not get sacked mm-hmm. but then again who's going to catch the ball because Wyatt Houston's gone Andrew Rodriguez is gone we mentioned Rayshard Lewis is gone so right now their second returning receiver leading receiver from last year is running back Tony Lindsay that is kind of and, interesting isn't it yeah what well, is if they had if they had Rayshard Lewis he loved the team in receiving last year or well target second in uh, catches second in yards but I don't expect with this new offense, Lindsey's going to get more than he had. I could see him getting the same amount of catches, but if he's a starting running back, that might go somewhere else. But who's going to like who's going to step up? You got Braylon Roberts, maybe uh, Zach Van Leeuwen, who's the uh, see the younger brother, Stephen Van Leeuwen. I'm assuming former Aggie. I believe so. Yeah, that makes sense. Van Leeuwen's a pretty uncommon name. So that's another issue. Like offensive line, they bring two starters back. They don't have much back on the receiving end. The offense overall, it's Honestly, while well, while there's optimism in the running attack, it really shouldn't be just because of what if we look at last year, it's hard to give confidence in what Hunt can do and what Lindsay can do. And you look at the receiving game with Lewis gone, it's like who's gonna come in? You got Myers, but he gave coughed up the ball too much. Are we giving too much credit to his offense that oh they'll be fine with the new OC rebuild offensive line that was already bad from last year, having all this talent gone from the receiving core, what makes you or me confident that yeah, they'll be fine. See, it's it's interesting that you have more questions about the receivers than about the running backs because, you know, if you look at the roster, the Aggies have 14 different guys listed as wide receivers. So there's a really good chance, you know, one or two of those guys is going to, you know, pop up and surprise. And it could be, you know, guys like you, like you mentioned, like Roberts. 
But even behind them, they have, you know, former three-star guys like Chad Artist or Gerald Bright, who, by the way, had himself a pretty good spring game as well. So, you know, to me, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who they find to really fit in those positions to make the offense work. Because, you know, on the one hand, you have a guy like Jaron Colston Green, who's a nice big target. He's like six foot two and 180 pounds. He can get a little bit bigger that could make him a really dynamic weapon. And, you know, in the same, you know, in the same physical mold, you have a guy like Tarver, who we already kind of know that he's, a, you know, he's got a, an ability to make plays. On the other hand, you have a guy like Bright, who's kind of a small guy. I think he was only like, what, 5'8 or something like that? Or 5'9? Yeah, 180 as well. So he's kind of a smaller guy, but, you know, he had himself a pretty good spring game, and if he can be a guy who makes a difference out of the slot, for instance, that could be a weapon that Myers didn't really have last year because it was basically just Tarver and Lewis most of the time. And, you know, I think the fact that they don't lack for options is really going to help them in the long run because they're just looking for guys in the fall to really step up. And, you know, I think a guy like Bright could make a really big difference in that regard. You know, what I, you know what I want to see on offense? Hmm. You see he's listed as tight end down here, don't you? I do not. Damien Hobbs, quarterback and tight end. Oh, yeah. I would like to see both of them on the field and get some, uh, instead of the halfback pass, get the tight end pass or something going out. Wouldn't that you put, uh, put him into H-back. You put uh, Myers over out wide. I want some of that action on offense to see what can go on to mix things up. you got to do something. They, they clear, clearly have a lot of players' options, like you said, but... Putting Hobbs out there, I don't know how much he'll play tight end because he, I think he's still technically the backup quarterback. But if he does play more tight end or he moves there permanently, stick him in a play here and there just to mix things up. Because remember last year in the offense, a lot of the passes to like, well, we love what Rashad Lewis did. A lot of his stuff, because he was a small guy. He's not even under 170 pounds, at least from what it says here. He was doing a lot of those swing passes, like quick pass wide receiver screens. Mm-hmm. And so they need to, who knows, he'll pick up that slack, but that's more of an extension to the running game probably because it wasn't doing very well last year. So I don't know how much we'll see with that because with Yates, I want to go down downfield a bit more. Or excuse not Yates, uh, Yo, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, Yo, sorry, I'm thinking Yates, Yost, whatever. But I'm wondering if, not with the Hobbs thing could be interesting, but I don't think, like, with Lewis, what he did last year, as good as he was, it was just a quick swing pass go, over the middle, quick pass. Maybe that maybe that will be what Colston Green will become, or maybe that'll be what, uh, like I said, Gerald Bright will be because there are smaller guys on the outside or inside. I would say there's there are options here, but I just for me I want to see it to believe it. Like there's players here that might be good. We've seen what Lindsey can do occasionally. We've seen what Hunt can do occasionally. I've seen it. We know Myers is a good quarterback, but is he really? He fumbled eight times, completion percentage decreased, but he got sacked a bazillion times last year. I'm not confident his offense will be good until I see what happens. And based on what's coming back in production, the statistical side of me is thinking, well, who's going to catch the ball? Who's going to step up? I don't know. Outside of looking at a few things from spring that you've mentioned, who stepped up, guys who didn't play last year. But maybe I'm just I'm going that way where I'm thinking, well, I see names here who might be good, but I see more negatives and positives to say going into the season here in the middle of July that they're going to be a top five offense. Yeah, I mean, and it'll be interesting to see if they find a tight end because, you know, on the one hand, 
you know, if you go through what they did in the spring game, their tight ends were fairly quiet. A lot of the guys catching passes outside of Hobbs were, you know, the receivers, you know, Brighton, Alex Byers, you know, Dylan Spradling, and so on. But also the fact that, you know, all of the tight ends that are listed on their roster are either freshmen or sophomores, you know, whether true or true or redshirt. So it'll be... I will be interested to see if they find a role for a big target like that. Because, for instance, they have a guy like Dax Raymond who, at 6'5 and 250, could be a huge asset, both you know as a pass catcher and probably, I would assume, as a blocker. But are they going to have a role for him in that kind of quick strike, quick moving offense? It'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Sure, because they lost White Houston last year, but like I said, different offense. So they didn't you'd think they'd have somebody in place to do something to uh, replicate that. But again, new offense, downfield passing a bit more. Tight end may not be as needed, but we'll see. Let's. Uh, I'm just a mix on this offense just because I see names there like names, but then again, for me, it comes down to this. If the offensive line can find some sort of continuity and give up fewer sacks than last year, they'll probably be fine overall. But that's where it starts and ends with them being a good offense, or at least an average offense. I think it's going to come back to the quarterback and whether he can get back to where a lot of us think he can be. Well, you take that route, I'll take the other route because if the offensive line is good, Myers will be good, I'm saying, I think. All right. Okay, defense isn't much better for who they have coming back. This is not your Gary Anderson defense here on Utah State. You don't think so? Well, I'm looking at the um, – no, why, why, why do we believe that? They weren't very good last year. I mean – Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, you know, I feel like they have a lot of interesting pieces coming back. They do. Like, I think their secondary is where they're the the best because they'll have a couple guys like on all conference teams we've seen floating around. Like Dallin Lovett's pretty good. You have um, John Trell Rockmore, who saw a lot of time last year, did pretty well with the um, couple TFLs, a couple interceptions as well. That's their strongest unit. But normally, when you think Utah State, you. We should think defensive back because they've had multiple players in the NFL the past couple of years, like Mo Alexander, who was picked up by the Rams, and a few other guys. But they lose most of their defensive line and linebacker. And I know, I don't want to repeat again, but they lost so many linebackers to the NFL a couple of years ago. Maybe this is the year those guys step up, like Derek Larson or Alex Huerta, do a, do a few good things who are the returning guys last year. But they're losing, what, six starters essentially from this defense? Seven starters almost? Okay, so here's a question I have for you. It's actually a two-part question. Because I understand what you're saying about the pieces that they're losing off of last year's defense. Without looking, by yards per carry, where did they rank in the conference last year? As, as far as yards per carry allowed on the ground. Do you want me to guess or actually look it up? I want you to guess. You're probably tricking me here, but for what I'm thinking, if what I recall... I'll say middle, sixth place, sixth, middle of the pack. They were fourth. Okay. No, it's okay. Okay, so then here's the follow-up question. By quarterback rating, where did they rank in the conference? Defensively? Yeah. Third. They were third. <laughs> so <laughs> you kind of spoiled my surprise there. I but, just guessed. I th- I'm thinking partly because teams just ran against them. More than passed? I mean, maybe, but even then, they were still pretty tough overall, I'd say, to be able to finish you know above average in the conference. 
And that's despite, you know, facing guys like Jeremy McNichols and Brian Hill and stuff like that. And Air Force. I mean, I think it'll be... I think there are some questions about how they're going to replace some of those key pieces along the defensive line. But honestly, because of the fact they run the 3-4, it's going to come down to whether those linebackers can take another step forward. And if we want to start talking about this defense, I think you kind of have to start by talking about those linebackers because I kind of like them. <laughs> I do too. I think that's the, because again, like I know I said it last year, I'm like, I'm never going to mention this again, but they lost everybody to the NFL or at least NFL tryouts. Mm-hmm. And so last year they brought in a whole new unit and that's always been their strength. Like remember Bobby Wagner's from Utah state. He led the NFL in tackles last year with what? 200 or something like that. Mm-hmm. They've always had good linebackers. They had the Vigil. What, is it Vigil or Vigil? Am I going to do this again? Vigil, Vigil Brothers. <laughs> Vigil, sorry, Vigil Brothers. That's an old joke if you've been listening. But they ha- they do have talent back. They're like looking at recruiting talent and just starts and plays last year. Like it goes by games play for what I'm seeing here. Yeah, they lose a lot, but they still ha- they still return guys who played nearly 45 games last year. Three, two of them played 11. One played 12. Another played seven. And so they have the experience back there. It's just, what are they going to do with the extra playing time they get now? Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, yeah, you played last year, played pretty well. Because looking at, like, this, for example, let's throw out one guy right here. I guess he's a – oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong set here. I'm looking at linebacker – nose guard, sorry. Nose tackle. Let me go to linebacker. I apologize there. They lose four line – three linebackers. I'm sorry. I, oh, man. My math is wrong, and I can't scroll very properly. My point still stands because they still bring back even more than I mentioned, 20, 30 – 42, 54 games played last year. And my and it still makes sense to reason. Guys who played last year get more playing time, what will they do with it? The name, I, name I'm going to mention here is if you look at a guy like uh, Justice Tay, he had put in every game last year, all 12 games, only had 10 and a half tackles. Mm-hmm. Is he going to approve to 40 tackles? He also had two TFLs in a sack and a half, so he already has some sort of production of uh, playmaking ability to get to the quarterback, get to the backfield. Can he double or even triple those numbers? Tripling, if he's going to be a starter, 34 tackles, 33 tackles, does not seem out of the possibility for a guy who had 10 last year. So that's what I want to see. Like Maybe he'll step up. Maybe he'll have a guy like uh, Chase Christiansen who played in 10 games last year. Maybe he'll go from 28 to 60 tackles. I don't know. But now they're gonna, these guys are going to be thrusted into starting and playing as much as they did last year. It's reason to assume they're going to be better. And I do think, after talking forever in circles here a little bit, I'm with you. I think this more than likely, it'll be this will rival their secondary as the best position unit. But it's going to be, it's got to be better than last year because they all had, look at all the experience coming back. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm looking through a lot of last year's numbers, and it's, I'm, it's really hard to see why the defense had such a rough go of it because. You know, even beyond the numbers as far as, you know, rush defense and pass defense, you know, they were, you know, middle of the pack in opponents' third downs allowed. You know, they were middle of the pack in in red zone conversions, uh, in opponents' red zone conversions, rather. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird, I think. But I think that, you know, they have guys coming back in that front seven that could be really interesting. You know, they've got a big guy in the middle that could potentially make a huge impact, Mohalika. Wasike. I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. But you know, you know, I'll get it wrong, so we'll go with your pronunciation. But I mean, if you've got a big dude like that who's like 325 pounds in the middle of your defense taking up space, you know, that's going to make you know the work of the linebackers behind him a lot easier. 
And That's if, a double team waiting to happen. Yeah, and if you can flank him with a guy like Ian Togiai, who I think is already you know getting some recognition among you know preseason all conference honors that have been handed out so far, you know those are a couple pieces along that three and the three four that could be pretty good. You know, the question, like you said, though, is, you know, are those linebackers behind them? And I'm thinking more specifically about a guy like, you know, Derek Larson, for instance, who I think, you know, if he can take another step forward, could be among the better linebackers in the conference. That's something I'd like to see to stop, him do. Off the top of your head, did he make our top 50 list? I don't believe so. No, he did not. Did not. Okay, that's okay. We're not giving it, giving anything away, folks. I'm just wondering, kind of thinking if anybody voted for him or not. But I, are you... Pre- predicating the defense being better just because of what they used to do or maybe what they actually have? I think that the defense, and especially the front seven, will be better than a lot of people think because, you know, and I think some of it is obscured by the fact that, you know, they got hosed a couple times last year. <laughs> but you know, Air Force game? Yeah, think? even though they're losing guys like Travis Seafelt and Ricky Alifua and stuff like that, they have enough pieces coming back that I think makes them – that I think will make them pretty tough on you know, most weeks. I don't know. I'm just maybe it's me being too pessimistic because what we're used to with Utah State defense almost always being the best in conference. Multiple players drafted. Maybe they just had a bad year last year, and that's all it was. And it'll take just this year for the guys who stepped in last year in a backup role to be a starter to step up and be the next Bobby Wagner or somebody something close to that area maybe even Zach Vigil or something like that or Nick Vigil yeah and I mean but I to, think to your point like t- I don't know man I was gonna say to your point thinking about especially against the run you know they did finish fourth and they did allow four point you know basically 4.4 yards per carry last year but in the three years before that you know they were 3.58 in 2015 you know, 3.28 in 2014 and 2.79 in 2013. So maybe we got spoiled a little bit. But here's a question. That, that's here's a question too. I have for you then. Will they be better or worse than 4.4 yards per carry? Uh, that's, that's, that's overall correct. Yeah, on defense, will they be better or worse against the run than they were last year? Let me look at their schedule really quick just because that might give me an educated guess of the running backs they're facing. And remember, there's no more McNichols, no more Brian Hill. Sure. sure, but they face Colorado State and Wisconsin. Yeah. And Air Force. And New Mexico. <laughs> Did they play New Mexico last year on that schedule? They are division rivals, so yeah. Oh, never. See, I don't know the division folks, so yes. <laughs> rivals, that might be a stretch, but division mates, yes. I will say it will be, can I say the same? that cut too much of a cop out okay so you're saying like they'll be within like a i will say yard or so like 4.2 they'll be slightly better because they'll get ran over like crazy versus wisconsin they'll be fine versus wake forest fine versus san jose state byu who knows they don't really have a good running back coming back rams are good offense good running attack boys will probably be good i'll say about 4.2 just slightly better nothing significant or yeah just 4.2 well 0.2 yards you go buy 20 carries a game for all season. It could be a couple hundred yards, perhaps. But I'll just say they're sli- slightly better than last year, but not by much. I think that they could be a little bit better than that. Where do you project? Where do you kind of see them maybe being at? I just, I'm just going off of 
Because no matter what versus Wisconsin, a lot of yards are given up. No matter what you do versus New Mexico Air Force, they'll get big chunk yardages. So that's why I'm thinking they might have a skew where 5.5 yards given up versus New Mexico, 6 yards versus Wisconsin, but 1.2 versus Wake Forest, or 2.2 versus Idaho State, or something like that, where there'll be kind of a big swing of what they're giving up. Mm. I mean, I think that they could average right around 4 yards per carry allowed. And if they can do that... Then the question becomes, at least in my opinion, you know, are they going to be able to hold up against the pass? And more importantly, are they going to be better about creating turnovers than they were last year? That's a big thing as well. I think the secondary will be fine because, like I said, look what they have coming back. They'll have one of the better secondaries in the conference. Like like I said, you got Down Lovett back there. Yeah, they lose Devin Centers and Daniel Gray. But for the players coming back, like for to look at pass breakups and sacks you had a centers who had zero interceptions he's gone from last year he also had he had two pass breakups they do lose uh in daniel gray at an interception and four pass breakups but after that you have guys like with seven pass breakups back who's at jalen davis there mm-hmm. they have all these guys who knock passes down if they can get interception here or there that's going to hand on the ball that way that's good this defense they'll knock the ball down their pass defense will be pretty good i think it's just they only had what, seven interceptions last year. That is correct. That's not very good, and they and the guys they're lo- and losing, they're losing uh, one of those. That's it. One interception, I believe, from non-returning from Daniel Gray. That's it. So they returned most of that production from interception, even though most of it was by Don Lovett with three. If they can turn in, what's a good percentage? Twenty percent more of those PDUs to INTs. That's a couple interceptions right there. That's what I'm saying. If they can rebound to maybe the middle of the pack, like if, and that that's like maybe two or three more interceptions over the course of the season, that's the difference between you know maybe three wins and five wins, or four wins and six wins. And I think you know a lot of that is going to be predicated on a guy like Jalen Davis, who I think you know is in the conversation, in my opinion, to be the best cornerback in the conference if he can turn a few more of those pass defenses into interceptions because you know in you know 2015 he had eight pass breakups and three interceptions last year he had seven and one and i think that he has the potential to kind of rebound in that regard and be more of a ball hawk than he was last year especially in you know a division where we've talked at length you know over and over again about you know good brett ripon versus bad brett ripon for instance or you know Josh Allen's propensity to you know throw turnovers and bunches sometimes. And or Nick Stevens, it feels revert to Colorado game last year. So if a guy like you know Davis can catch you know quarterbacks like that on a bad game or on a bad Saturday, that can make a huge difference for this defense. And but more than that, I think that they need other guys you know to really step up behind, you know across from him. And who's so that you guy? Think- Real quick, Davis could be better than Tyler Horton or Andrew Chautry or Andre Chautry. I think he has a chance, yes. Okay. But he's going to have to produce a little more than he has in the last couple of years. Of course. Because they have Levitt. Both him and Davis are Phil still second team all conference, mm-hmm. preseason wise. And like I said, who's going to step up next? They have guys who play. Like this is. This is probably or very likely their deepest position. Part of it is. When you play in the Mountain Division, you're playing against, like I said, Colorado State, Wyoming, they'll pass. And um, Boise State will pass as well. So there's plenty of chances for these guys to make big plays. 
Like I said, who could it be? Could it be like uh, not Davis or sorry, um, da- not Daniel Gray. Sorry, they get the different positions here for their uh, names listed. But Cameron Henry, Wesley Bailey, will they be the other cornerback? We don't know. And they have, if you look at the recruiting numbers, Boise's recruited. They're almost always top two or three in the conference, top for recruiting wise. Like you look at Bailey or Haney, they're the highest recruited guys on the roster now. Redshirt freshman, it's a safety, but in Braxton Gunther, they got talent recruited, but game experience, it's not lacking either. And Bailey's a senior as well, and so he's one of the higher recruited guys over the past couple of years. Hasn't had a chance to start a ton, but maybe he's the guy with being a senior, having 11 career starts, or 11 games played last year, excuse me, 12 games played last year. Maybe it's his year where he finally gets to be the starter and he can explode to have a big year, a big couple, whatever, big season, big half year or something to be the guy across there from Gray. And that, mm-hmm. that kind of adds up if you think about it for experience, gameplay, time of the program. Fairly productive last year with uh, 24 tackles and four pass breakups. Maybe he's the guy that'll step up and surprise everybody and be that number two corner. I guess we'll find out. We will. Um, we'll find out early too when they play. Uh, um, it's early on in the year, so when they play whoever, what Wisconsin, they play Boise, they play BYU. So, any special teams notes you want to touch on the on the Aggies at all? Because, yeah, what do you think? I mean, nothing. Nothing or no. really stands out to me. No. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick time out here, and we'll be back to go through the schedule. All right, folks, now we're back to go through Utah State's schedule. And they start off Friday night at Wisconsin, ESPN. So this will be a highlighted game, even though Big Ten apparently hates Friday night matchups. Yeah, what can you do? Play like everybody else and follow the rules. And if you want that sweet, sweet uh, Fox and ESPN money, you got to play non-Saturday games, folks. There you go. That's the trade-off, right? I would love to have... The Mountain West would love to have a deal 20% worth of the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of sad, but here, here we are. Um, with Wisconsin, they go to Camp Randall. This is the second time in five years they've been out there. I mentioned before when they played last time, it was a pretty close matchup. Outside of a few weird plays here or there, they could have beat Wisconsin. But these are two completely different teams. And also, if you want to go back to our podcast feed, I talked with Jake Kokorowski from uh, Bucky's fifth quarter for it's mostly him talking to me. I planned on doing a 15 minute quick preview and that being 45 minutes, which is amazing. Go back. If you want to end up preview during the July, during the, before the season begins, go listen to that. He talks about their spring game, which is upcoming at the time of recording. He goes deep through this roster, but our end result and probably our end result will be Utah state within 21 points is a victory, moral victory. I think so, because, you know, when you're talking about a team like Wisconsin, you're talking about a team that, you know, if things break their way, could be a dark horse for, for college football playoff spot. I don't know. What division are they in the Big Ten, do you know, off the top of your head? They are, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> Not the legends or leaders, I know that. They're in the West, I would assume, because they are West to the Great Lakes. You would think, but Florida State and Miami are different divisions in the in the ACC. Yeah, I have no clue. They're going to be good. That's the thing. They do have um, Hornybrook back at quarterback who split time last year. They bring back their entire offensive line. They do um, running game, not going to be an issue, but they'll have a new face back there. 
running the ball for them. So this will be, like you said, the huge test for that new defensive line, new linebackers to step up. Because I don't expect Alex Hornibrook to throw over Utah State because, A, he's an okay quarterback, at least what we seen last year, and B, they're just going to pound the ball at will against Utah State. I mean, I think that this is the kind of game where, you know, if the front seven gets up to play like I think they can, you know, this is the kind of game that could be a little bit of a, you know, slugfest for about a half. But I think when you start factoring in kind of the talent divide between Wisconsin and Utah State, that's, I think, the kind of thing where, you know, they're not going to be shy about sticking with the running game with all of those, you know, 300 plus guys they have up front and I imagine that's the kind of thing that's eventually going to wear the defense down so I can see where it'd be close for about a half or maybe three quarters but I'm fully expecting Wisconsin to kind of pull away late and win pretty comfortably so Wisconsin being Wisconsin where it's a 17-3 17-7 halftime lead win 31-12 or something like that 38-14 so here's a title. Just came out today, July 3rd, when we're recording this. You'll hear this later in the week. Bill Connolly's preview. The 2017 Badgers might be the most Wisconsin football team ever. After a 10-win season and, you were correct, Big Ten West title last year, if Wisconsin answers a couple questions, the gold could be even higher. And I remember Casey Joyner of ESPN put them as a dark horse playoff team. And if you look at their Wisconsin, like that little spider chart radar type of deal, um, defense is uh, basically a a Pac-Man with a hat, sort of say, <laughs> which means they're extended everywhere except for a few places. And it's a place that you think they would not be, like yards per completion allowed, stuff like that. But they're this is going to be it's going to be tough. I think it'll be it's going to be a blowout, unfortunately. But I think it might. I'm even less optimistic, unfortunately. I think it'll be a quarter of where Utah State's hanging around. I think it could be like a 21-3 to halftime lead for Wisconsin. And just roll to victory. Because we're both going to say victory for the Badgers, correct? Yeah. It would take Kent Myers being Herculean efforts to beat this Badger team. All right, week two, Idaho State, victory, move on. Then they go to Wake Forest. These are the type of games when I mentioned when we mentioned off season when we talk about scheduling. These are the type of games we want to see the Mountain West teams play because it's a winnable team, winnable game. This is actually the return trip of a home and home, which is surprising that they came out all the way to Logan a couple years ago. Where didn't Utah State win that game versus Vanderbilt a couple years ago? I believe if I'm mistaken. Did, yeah. I just remember Ke- or Jackie Keaton had another knee injury that game, which basically ended everything. But this is a this is a matchup where even though we're not too sure in Utah State, are you is anybody afraid of Vanderbilt really? Are you talking about Wake Forest? Or sorry, why am I thinking Vanderbilt? Did I say Vanderbilt like three times there? I think you did. Yes. I meant Wake Forest. I apologize. They're the same, aren't they? They're both dark uniforms. The W looks like a V. I apologize. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking up their preview. I'm like, wait a minute, why aren't they here? They're a ACC team. Wake Forest. Sorry. Yeah. Wait. Still same team. Wake Forest came out years ago. Utah State beat them. I don't know why I thought Vanderbilt. Maybe that's something else, but they look similar. That's a mistake that could happen, right? No? Yeah. Sure, why not? Sure. Regardless, Wake Forest is never really amazing football, Amazing at football. Who's the, like, who's, if you think Wake Forest football, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Riley Skinner. Who's that? He is the guy that led Wake Forest to the Orange Bowl about a decade ago. Yeah, a decade ago. That's a problem. 
<laughs> a decade ago. A de- okay, yeah. So, it, but I, mean, I think Wake Forest is kind of an interesting team because if you remember the the whole um, hashtag Wakey Leaks thing from last year. Oh yeah, Wakey Leaks. Like that, I think kind of held them down a little bit because I remember sitting down over over Christmas break last year and watching their bowl game. And I forget exactly who they played. I think they beat Maryland or something like that. It was like one of those like Thursday afternoon bowl games or whatnot. Bulk bowl. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But they looked totally different on, on both sides of the ball. And this was after the whole Wake Helix thing had kind of broken and resolved itself. And, you know, they do have a two-year starter coming back at quarterback in John Wolford. They have a lot of interesting underclassmen at the skill positions. They actually have a freshman listed atop the depth chart at running back in Cade Carney. They have three sophomores at wide receiver. It's it's going to be a really young offense, which I think could be a good test for this Utah State defense because if they can if they can put more pressure on, you know, the quarterback than they did most weeks last year, you know, that could make it a lot more competitive. It's going to be a question about whether the offense, I think, can move the ball in this defense because where the offense, where the Wake Forest offense is young, you know, the defense, I think, has one, two, three, four, you know, you know, four or five seniors coming back on that, you know, front seven. So it's going to be a really interesting and fun game to watch. And they were, they were an okay. They're middle of the pack in the ACC in total defense. They are like FPI projects Wake at five wins. Uh, our good buddy Bill Connolly predicts a 30, uh, 35% chance for Utah State to win. It's on the road. I could see Utah State winning this game, but I'm going to say they will. I'm going to go on a limb and say they will because they've already played out Wisconsin. They get Idaho State to kind of relax and tune up whatever they need to fix from the Wisconsin blowout, whether, whether it's shoulder pad, ice packs full of shoulder pads to get guys better, ice packs on the knees, elbows, ice baths, whatever, whatever. Wake Forest is not intimidating, in my opinion, really, particularly compared to Wisconsin. Weeks before, so there won't be any, oh, we're playing ACC team, blah, 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 doing all this fun stuff. I think at this point, they'd be like, we already play Wisconsin. They're one of the best teams in the country. We respect Wake Forest, but we know they're not at that same level. And I think, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Utah State's going to get that victory. I mean, I think I could see the scenario, and I'm not going to be shocked if it happens. But I think that, you know, Wake Forest is going to be a little tougher than a lot of people expect. And to me, this game kind of strikes me like New Mexico's trip to Rutgers last year, Uh where we all kind of expected New Mexico to win that game pretty easily, and they didn't. Well, they also, remember, no Tyrone Owens last year either. That's true. I mean, I think it's... I mean, I don't know. I just I feel like Wake Forest has a lot coming back on defense, and I think the offense could be a little better than a lot of people think. And so I feel like, you know, it's going to be a back-and-forth game, but I had Wake Forest winning this one. I agree. I wouldn't be – I'm going to Utah State, but I wouldn't be surprised with either team being played in this matchup either. Just because, like I said, Wake, they might be better, but what's – Better? Are you talking about like the curve of Wake being better, or just better as in a better college football team? I mean, I think I don't think Wake is going to challenge for the ACC title or anything like that, but I think that they're good enough to make this a pretty competitive game. 
I think so too. And this will be this will be a good test. This will be a because Wisconsin blowout. Regardless, we know it's going to be tough to find good positive things there. Idaho State reverse effect. This will be more of a game where it's a team more toward Utah State's level, but Wake will have talent-wise overall probably no. Well, if you go by recruiting stars and rankings, should have more talent on that roster, but it'll be more level toward Utah State. So it'll be a good challenge because. Where you, like if you compare Wake Forest to the rest of Mountain West, it probably would be an eight-win team, maybe somewhere in that range, like about as good as Wyoming overall, just by record-wise. I'm, I'm assuming something in that range. Yeah. So there, it'll be a good challenge for them. Then, the, then the next week they go, man, Winston Salem, all the way to San Jose, the week following. Mm-hmm. And we didn't like the Spartans that much in our preview. Sorry, Spartans fans. And we already know, if you listen to our other shows, you already know what we chose in this game, but what is your thoughts on this matchup? Because Aggie's going coast-to-coast, only a week in between, no bye week, or no short rest, so that helps them as well. But what are your thoughts kind of on this matchup with Utah State after playing two really good teams in the first three weeks? Well, I think if this defense is going to reach its ceiling, this is the kind of game where they're going to have to make some hay and really get after the quarterback. Um, and I, I fully expect them to be able to do that because, you know, the Spartans' offensive line, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, is not great. Insert <laughs> joke here about quarterback on their back. Yeah. And, you know, while they'll get a pretty good test, I think, from what I feel is going to be a very good Spartans secondary, you know, I think Myers and company are going to be good enough to win this game pretty comfortably on the road. They should, and also, as we remember, in our San Jose State preview, the rushing defense for them has not been very good. Yeah. Giving up over five and a half yards per carry last year, or close to that. So I expect, like, maybe this will be a big game for Lindsey or Hunt, or the one Hunt back there to break out for maybe, like, 180 combined yards between the two. Or maybe some third guy comes in and does something. But Utah State, it'll be, it'll be reasonably close because Utah State won three games last year. So, But I think going on the road will be a little tricky, but I think they'll get it done. And then a game that's moved um, September 29th to BYU. Used to be the first week of October, and it kind of switched up a little bit. Last year was November. Do you know what, first off, do you know what trophy is on the line for this game uh, versus BYU? It's not the Beehive Boot, is it? Not the Beehive Boot, no. I do not know then. The old wagon wheel. Oh, yes. And by wagon wheel, we mean giant wagon wheel you'd see on an old stagecoach. I love it. About. Five feet tall. And fun fact, it's the only trophy, rivalry trophy, because as hard as it, as hard as it is to believe, there's no trophy between Utah and BYU. You think there would be? Because technically the Beehive Boot is who wins the state of Utah when they used to play each other every year, but that doesn't happen anymore. With Utah not playing BYU or Utah State not playing Utah every year. It'd be you would think there'd be something, but this is the only trophy I it also could be default, the only trophy they have versus rival. Just, and it's also the only one displayed like in the locker room or in the area for people and players to see. Which is odd because for who they play, it's no offense Utah State, but BYU's been scheduling up the past couple of years. So what do we know about BYU that we didn't know the last time we talked about them? Uh, they've had their media day. Mm-hmm. And it's what we know now. It's more, it's, well... It's probably what we all knew if you followed anything at BYU, but it's more solidified with what Ty Detmer said, their OC, and Kalani Sitake, head coach, Reno Mahe, their running backs coach. 
Squally Canada is going to be their starting running back week one. Okay. Even though during spring they messed around with other players back there. He's going to be the guy, and there's that's perfectly fine. He's the most qualified running back, most experienced. But again, he's no Jamal Williams, who they lost last year, and who's with the Packers, who got drafted. So the only other thing we know is that that's about the only real news that came out of media day for BYU that it's Squally Canada. They didn't officially say, but that's the only news that we know that we didn't know last time. We know their linebacking group's really good, and in my opinion, their running their wide receiver group is still. I'll say it. They're not very good. And then so with Utah State secondary going up against this BYU wide receiving group, that could be the matchup they could win in this game. I kind of agree with that. And the only other – oh, one other note I should say. Tight end is going to be used a lot more for BYU. So they could have a guy like Matt Bushman, Ronai Latu – they call him MLP. I forget his full name. Ronai Latuluputete, I want to say. Moroni Latuluputetau. Pudetel, that's it. Yeah, Pudetel. Let's call him MLP. That's what people say. It's going to be him or Matt Bushman, tight end, which BYU hasn't used forever. So for a Utah State fan watching this, like, wait, the tight end's back? Yeah, tight end's slowly making its way back to BYU. So there's that, which we probably touched on before, and the running game is school like Canada. So running game will be an issue for, for Utah State because BYU's linebacker core has a couple guys who could be in the NFL soon. But it's, it's a game BYU's more than likely going to win. But I'm thinking if the receiving core is what I think it is for BYU and if the running game is not as great or if BYU decides to go with like a two or three guys back there, which is a possibility, that could be an area where Utah State could take advantage against the Cougars. But I'm still going to go BYU is going to get a victory in this game. But it's not going to be like last year where BYU sort of just took over. So do you think this is the kind of game where – the off where the passing game could make a huge difference for Utah State. Oh, uh, BYU secondary is pretty good. Like they've got like um, the guys that they have back back there. It's because I'm thinking that you know I'm looking at last year's matchup when you know the Aggies were basically playing off the string, and it's hard to imagine that Kent Myers could be much worse than he was in this game last year because he barely completed 50 percent of his passes. He only had 100 yards, had an interception. I feel like he he probably should be better this time around, especially if the offense, you know, with its emphasis on, you know, kind of moving the ball quickly, can dictate what it wants to do. You know, because if you can, if you could throw the ball a little bit, I think what that does to me is kind of maybe neutralize those linebackers you were talking about a little bit. The possibility, but their secondary is still pretty good. I would say um, if Kent Myers runs a little bit better than he did last year, like not not necessarily running, like taking off running, but moving to pocket, mm-hmm. that could linebackers are going to follow you. They're going to attack. This good depends what they do. Are they going to blitz after say a play is five seconds long because it's a play action, it's uh, nobody's open, and then the play. Not not that he's going to get a playoff because the play breaks down. But I'm wondering if that that him moving his feet a bit better, if the offensive line does improve, buy him some more time and make the linebackers kind of think of what they're doing more. Because BYU is going to blitz a lot, that's for sure, and so maybe there's something with that. But I agree that Myers probably isn't – well, first off, it's too early to tell. But I, I do while I haven't been too confident saying what Utah State's done, I'm pretty confident saying Kent Myers will throw more than 100 yards in this game. He had 103 last year. But if you look at it last year too – 
BYU, they did run the ball at will against um, Utah State, which that should be stored, ah, shored up as well. Taysom Hill was equally as bad as Kent Myers, mm-hmm. throwing the ball with only 101 yards, two picks. And so Tanner Mangum, here's the thing about Tanner Mangum. He's going to be the starting quarterback. If anybody of you guys watched the bowl game last year versus Wyoming, I mean, I know weather played an issue, but Tanner Mangum is similar to Josh Allen. He may force a few things. He rolls the pocket a lot. So if there's pressure to be had against Mangum, he'll make a bat, maybe not make the best throw at times. With my opinion, receivers aren't great for BYU. That's where I'm thinking, well, I know Myers will be better, but I'm going to go back and say this. If Utah State's going to win, secondary has to step up and just shut down the passing game. And with the running game being questionable, what does BYU have? If you think about offensively, yeah, you got Tanner Mangum, great. They'll have a good offensive line, which will help a ton. If you're not confident in your running game playing two or three guys, you have wide receivers where it features a track star and Juco guys and young young freshmen or a, a new a, like MLP wide receiver to tight end transition position or Matt Bushman, who I believe came off his mission recently. What else do you have? I could have I could have Joe Montana back there, but if you guys can't catch, guys can't run the ball, you have a bad running game, what, what do you have? Who cares? You can have freaking Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. I like you. I'm just not. I'm just not confident in BYU offense. Everybody I know saying ten wins, ten wins. That they probably. It's true, but people. (laughs) Yes, maybe one of my previous job in the bubble working with those people, but. I they'll probably beat Utah State. I'm not. I'm pretty confident that's the case here, and I'll say that right now that BYU is going to win, even though it's at Logan. It's a game I'm hoping to be at this year because not too far, but. Unless I see something crazy from BYU. In a in a rushing game and a receiving, it's hard to pick them to win more like win confidently. And then also consider this. I know we don't need to go too deep in every game here, but one thing to consider with BYU, look at who they played before. Their first half of their schedule is probably one of the tougher ones around. Yeah, they open to Portland State, but it's an extra game for them. But they play LSU, Utah, Wisconsin. They do get an off week before they play Utah State, which will help them out, but they could be beat up by the time this game comes around. I'm thinking it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I wouldn't be overly surprised if Utah State does win. But I'm still I still got to go with BYU. Do you think it could be a trap game though because they go to because they host Boise the next week? That's what we're talking about. When I did my did my show, we talked about trap games for BYU. We a lot of it was a couple of them were Hawaii because it's last game of the year. And then there's also but I think this could be more you're more accurate because they have a, they have an off week before. While it is a rival, BYU they don't consider it at all. People I know and played for BYU don't consider it a rival at all. But I think you're right. That's probably a trap game because they look at like a, look at the names I mentioned before. Ah, we played Utah, we played LSU, we played freaking Wisconsin. This is just little Utah State, and then like I said, then Boise State in between, or not in between, but the week after. And then they still have Mississippi State. I think you're right. I think this could be a looking more into it. This could be a game where BYU may not be focused early on. I like Utah State's chances to win this game, and I have them. I have a W on this one. Ooh, W. So, what's your record so far with this with this team? Four and one? Uh, no, it would be uh, three and two at this point. Oh, so am I. I'm at three and two as well because you picked. Uh... Wait a minute. I picked Idaho State, Wake Forest, San Jose State. And I picked Idaho State, San Jose, and BYU. 
Oh, okay, okay. Wisconsin lost. Okay, gotcha. Just making sure. Interesting, BYU. Just for reference here, the uh, advanced numbers really quick. It's a pretty good chance for Utah State to win. 41% chance, but the margin of victory projected is uh, minus four. Whew. This, I'm, I'm going to that game. I'm going right now. I'm saying right now. I will be in attendance at Maverick Stadium. Ah, it's Friday night. Maybe not. To be determined with it being a Friday night game. Go listen to our um, travel show to see if I chose that game. Because I honestly don't remember because that was a long time ago. All right, let's wrap this up. We're going over an hour. We're at hour six right now, and we still have to schedule up. Colorado State at home. Loss? Yeah, I have it as a, any, as a loss. Any chance for victory? Like, what percentage would you give them for victory at this point? Well, the projected of 40%. And Seems high. I'd probably go a little bit lower. I would probably put it around 30%. I think it'll be competitive, but I think that you know Colorado State's going to have too many weapons on offense for Utah State to keep up. I agree. That's my main thing. Like If they can't pass very well, which will be a little tricky, running the ball should be fine. And like you said, like the, I don't think I mentioned this before, but Marvin Kinsey, did you see that video of him running the other day? I did. He's back, ready to go. Whew. That's going to be one of the better attacks. So, lost for them. Then they do uh, another tough stretch, playing Wyoming at home. Where, are you surprised that they're given a 60% chance to win this game right now? I mean, at home, that kind of doesn't surprise me. I, this feels like a 50-50 game to me, though. Think so? I think so. Because, I mean, we've, we've talked about Wyoming already and the fact that they're having to replace Brian Hill, they're having to replace Tanner Gentry. You know, they do have an up-and-coming defense, but, you know, are they going to have the guys at the skill positions to, you know, make Josh Allen look good? I would. I'm, I know it's at home. I'm, I'd lean toward uh, Wyoming winning just because of they have the best player in the field on offense and their defense is better than Utah State's. With guys like Logan Wilson back there, um, Andrew Wingard. I'm going Wyoming to win this game, but it's, yeah, I'm going Wyoming pretty confidently. I mean, I feel like it should be a lot closer than it was last year. I still have Wyoming winning this game, but it wouldn't surprise me if it were within, you know, one score that way. And it also wouldn't surprise me if Utah State pulled an upset. Hmm, interesting. All right, we'll, keep, we'll mark that game as a game to watch. So they go, then they go to UNLV. I don't know what to make of UNLV. I just always revert back to, oh, they beat Wyoming in triple overtime last year. We'll talk about what it. Do you, what, we'll talk about it more when we get to the Rebels podcast. But suffice it to say, I have questions about UNLV's defense. I also have questions about their quarterback play. Despite everybody loving Armani Rogers, pump the brakes, folks. Pump the brakes on that one. So just so we'll we'll keep it short. I have this one as a win. Me too, as a win. Then they play Boise State, which they beat them last year. Or no, 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 that's two years ago, sorry. They were competitive last year, though. Competitive, that, that's what I'm looking for. It's not a blowout, but again, it is it is at home. But I know Boise has a lot of question marks because running back, uh, defensive line they're losing, uh, wide receiver they're losing. I just got to go Boise State because Madison probably will be a pretty good running back at this point. I would assume. Yeah, and this was one. And, the... yeah, Boise owns him essentially outside of that one year. Well, I was just going to say, and this was one of those games last year where the running game was basically non-existent outside of Myers. So I wouldn't necessarily count on that happening again. 
But I feel yep. this is another situation where Boise has, you know, more than enough weapons to win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, I think the running game could be better and should be better, but that's how Utah State is probably going to hang around as if Lindsay or Hunt or whoever improves on that front. Yeah. But even that still can't call it. Next game to go to New Mexico. I I don't know what to mean. New Mexico is more clear than UNLV just because New Mexico, we know what they're going to run. But we also seen them very susceptible to giving up what seems like thousands of yards in the air. And Lobo's defense is probably going to take another step back. Well, let's not Somehow. forget that Utah State Somehow. probably should have won this game last year. There's a lot of games Utah State probably should have won. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I feel like this quietly could be one of the must-watch games of the year because it honestly so. wouldn't surprise me with with you know New Mexico's offense and Utah State's offense. This wouldn't surprise me if it were like a first to forty situation. So this could be like what I mentioned, like in our preview we had about Tulsa today, where I kind of teased it. Pull, polar opposites, passing to rushing. Yeah. For the offenses. Yeah. But I have New Mexico winning this game. Uh, I have to go with, I have to go agree with you there. Lobos are going to get a victory. This also game could come down to bowl eligibility for Utah State because they're sitting at, for me, four wins at this point. That's true. And I mean, like I said, this is another one of those games where it wouldn't surprise me if they pull it out. Like a, this seems like another within one score game, one way or the other. Yeah, projections two thirds change for Utah State, seven point victory for uh, advanced numbers for you nerds out there. Yeah. All right, then they host Hawaii. This one surprised me overall. I don't know what the numbers tell are telling us here, but Hawaii is a massive underdog against Utah State. I get it's at Logan, but Utah, Hawaii has more talent overall with. Uh, Drew Brown there with a Dicey and Juice, Juice, Juice just, but, blah, that running back they have. DSME St. Juice. I don't know why I can get that. I'll just see, can I call him Juice? Is that okay for everybody? Sure. Sure. Juice runs the ball for them quite well. And even though it's a road game for Hawaii, we're gonna keep, I'm going to keep this quick, but I'm going lost because talent-wise, Hawaii I think has more talent than Utah State. It. You can compare to quarterbacks. Drew Brown's better. Running game with Juice is better. Defense brings back a lot as well, which might be better than Utah State. I get it. the travel thing's weird because you go from Hawaii to either L.A. or San Francisco, flying to Ogden, which is still a good 40 miles from Logan. Just a weird travel. And remember last time they came here a couple years ago, there was like a delay, like hours upon hours of delay getting to that game. They almost had to push back the game because of how late Hawaii got to Logan. I like Utah State in this game. Because I have, I have questions about the Hawaii defense. That I think that if this offense is clicking like they can, you know, especially with being able to throw the football, this is one of those things that could really push Hawaii in a lot of weeks. I think so. I like the Aggies' chances to kind of hold serve at home. I agree with that as well, but. No, 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 I don't agree. You think Aggies are going to beat them? I think they you will. You really do? I do. At home, they will, yeah. Is this a stupid upset pick for you for this game? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think that 
you know, on talent, these two teams are probably even. Like, Hawaii might be a touch better on offense, but I think that Utah State's definitely better on defense. I think Utah... I, I get a travel's an issue, but I, I'm going Hawaii confidently. All right, then. We disagree in a game. Good. We're disagreeing more. Final game real quick, because we don't want this show to go 90 minutes, is at Air Force and... Or no, no, a host Air Force. Is this going to be a revenge game? The Aggies want to win, and do the Aggies get to pick the refs for this matchup? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, but at this point of the year, I know it's uh, it's my pre my um, warning to say, hey, we're in July. This is week 13, 14, final game of the year. A lot of stuff will change from now and then. If you look at any advanced numbers, projections, Air Force is projected pretty low, which I think is foolish on everybody just because most of these things go by returning starters and Air Force typically plugs in. But the defense is still my main concern for Air Force. But with Arian Worthman at quarterback and whoever's going to run the ball for them, I don't think it matters. And I think they're going to take care of business and um, beat Air Force. Oh, I'm sorry. This is on the road. My schedule is incorrect. I wrote down. This is at um, Colorado Springs. Yeah, I... Not that it matters too much, but Air Force should win this game. Yeah, I like Air Force in this game too. So we picked this game. Do you have them being bowl eligible, the Utah State Aggies? I do not. How many wins do you have? I have them at five and seven overall, and three and five in the conference. I must hate them because I have only four victories. But the, you know, this is the kind of team I think that you know, if they reach their ceiling on both sides of the ball, it wouldn't surprise me to see them get to eight wins because I think that. You know, me personally, I see the Wyoming game as being something of a toss-up. You know, the New Mexico game, I think, is a toss-up. And probably that finale against Air Force is a toss-up, too. You know, I don't know... What about BYU? They... What about BYU, then? More, are you pretty more confident that they will not win that game? Or is that a toss-up for you as well? Well, I had them winning that game. Oh, you do? I apologize. I'm staring at my loss here. Never mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to have, you know, enough to keep up with say, you know, Colorado State and Boise State, but I think that if things break their way, especially in, like, ways that it didn't break their way last year, you know, this is a team that could easily be bowl eligible, and I would not be surprised. I feel like they're right there, and it's really hard to call because, you know, in the Mountain Division, you know, anybody's liable to beat anybody on any any given week. So I have them losing every Mountain Division game, apparently. Losing to Colorado State, Wyoming, Boise, New Mexico, and Air Force. You know what? I do too, but I have them winning all three of the, uh, <laughs> the West Division. There you go. West, BYU, Idaho State. I, 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 I can agree with you where, like, toss-up type, like, if things go well, like, they have to go really well for me to say, oh, they'll beat BYU or they'll beat uh, New Mexico. It, the real toss-up games for me, I guess, would be, I guess, New Mexico and Hawaii. For me, maybe I'm more confident BYU winning, even though I didn't really seem like it a few minutes ago. But there's a like, like I think I'm with you where if they go bowling, I'm not gonna be oh this is nuts or crazy like what Wyoming did last year came out of nowhere for the most part to contend for the conference and go to the title game. Mm-hmm. Won't be that much, but I'm thinking oh that's um based on history the past five or six years with Utah State. Last year was anomaly. Year before six and seven, not great. I could see it, but I'm still not quite there because with who they lost and what they did last year, despite knowing 
they had so many games that were lost by one touchdown or fewer. Okay, so then here's a question for you. If they go four and eight or five and seven, does Matt Wells keep his job? If I listen to my buddies who like Utah State, he should be, should have been gone last year. <laughs> okay. I think so because that's three straight losing seasons. That's fair. And I know how Utah State played years before. That would be kind of weird to say, oh, you've still won five games. You're getting fired when Brent Guy and all the other guys were going one win, two wins, playing at Auburn, at Texas, at USC, at Alabama to make ends meet for their program, going independent for two years, being in the Sun Belt, being in the Big West for football. They're much better than that. They're, they're expectations to be had for this program now, for yeah. what Chucky Keaton did and Gary Anderson did for this team. So, and I do think, I think it's bowl game robust for him. If they go six and seven, that's fine. Go to a bowl game is minimum because I know the two years ago when they lost Josh Heupel as OC, he just left. But they didn't retain a lot of coaches this past year. It's usually when you're the last guy standing and you bring in a new OC, new DC, new coaches all around you. If, if it fails again, it's your fault. You're not getting another chance. Unless there's extraordinary circumstances. You lose six games by one point or less or something weird like that. Mm-hmm. I say it's bowl game or bust for Matt Wells. Okay. I mean, I think that's a reasonable argument. Is that your argument or your perception of what could happen? I mean, I don't know. I tend to be a little more forgiving of head coaches in that regard. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that if they get, you know, and I'm, and I'm making like, you know, asterisk signs this close to a bowl game. Like if they get to five and seven, but they lose a couple of one score games, you know, I would probably bring them back for one more go. But I think, you know. I can understand the mindset where you would want your team to be more competitive than that, you know, to with, especially with a senior quarterback, you know, with, you know, pretty veteran heavy, you know, defense that you would want them to be more competitive and show you that they can be a bowl caliber team. Okay. One quick thing why he's potentially safe. His contract goes through 2019. So two more years, because this is year five heading mm-hmm. into, so he's extended through 2019. But here's the thing. First two years, nineteen and nine with Gary Anderson's players. He's nine and sixteen the past two years. And so that's where I'm thinking you I, I get how you can be forgiven if he's close, but I still think you gotta get to a bowl game or you're out of there. Alright. Anything else we need to add about the Aggies? Because this is our this is a long show. It's been a couple weeks since we've actually recorded, so maybe that's why. But eighty one minutes into the show here. Any nuggets or anything else about Utah State you want to mention? I think I'm good if you are. We are good. So, as always, if you listen this far, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Again, um, MWCWire is our Twitter handle. Same thing on Facebook. I might make an Instagram, so look out for that. Just because, why not? Everybody does it. It's a cool thing to do, I guess. Fancy. I'll make some graphics for that, too. Quotes, maybe. But check us out there. Our our new home will be at collegefootballnews.com. Follow us on Twitter. MWC Wire, myself, Jeremy Moss, or you, Matt K underscore FS. Again, patreon.com backslash MWC Wire. That's where all of our work is right now. If you want to give us a couple bucks, we'd gladly appreciate it and hopefully give you good stuff in return. But that's where we're at right now. And also with the podcast, if you subscribe to our feed through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, that's the same. The name will look different, clearly, Mountain West Wire. We're going to move to a different platform soon, but the RSS feed should always be the same no matter what. 
if there's anything, again, check our Twitter or Facebook page. If you want any news on site stuff, that's where you want to look at. So it's MWC Wire. And our ne- do we know who our next show is going to be? Do we need to go back to the West Division to balance this thing out? Uh, you know what we'll do? We'll put a poll up for the people and we'll let them decide. Exactly. That's what we do best. Make it poll. So check out the poll. We'll put the poll on Facebook, Twitter. We'll put it on Patreon as well so we can work that poll feature as well. That's a good idea. We'll put it there. And, oh, one last thing I want to mention too. If you go to our Twitter handle, MWCWR, I have a survey for our podcast. Fill that out. Just good look through it. Just a couple questions like what other shows do you listen to? How many podcasts do you subscribe to? Do you ever buy stuff from advertising on podcasts? We may sprinkle that stuff in here and there throughout maybe in the show notes or something. So fill that out. That'd be great. More info we get, the better we can help you guys like our show and maybe you enjoy it better. So that's what I got for tonight. So check out that again for our MWC Wire on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, as always, we are biased against your team, folks.